Happy July 4th. This is Sam Mulberry for the Live from AC Second Feed, and we're back with our summer autobiography retro podcast series. Um, today's interview is with Professor Kathy Nevins from the Psychology Department in Bethel. Kathy's somebody who I had a few classes with when I was a student at Bethel, um, and she's really, really a phenomenal teacher um, and, a, and a really good friend. I've worked with her um, as part of the honors program um, for the last probably two or three, four years, and just somebody I've known for almost, wow, almost 20 years or maybe over 20 years. So um, this was really a fun one, uh, a fun one to dive into. And now we're starting to sort of expand out a little bit from my really close circle to uh, to other faculty who I know very well and some that I don't know very well. So in the, in the weeks to come, we're going to, um, we're going to encounter some other, um, some other faculty uh, who as sort of a, a socially anxious introvert were a little bit more of a stretch for me to sit down and talk with, but, um, but they're, they're really fun. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Kathy and we will see you next time. Hey, welcome to the Autobiography Podcast. Uh, my guest today is uh, one of my favorite uh, professors from when I was a student here uh, from the psychology department uh, at Bethel, uh, Kathy Nevins. Um, she's just a, a, a great teacher in lots of ways and sort of an example of, I think, what a, what a great, especially a great discussion teacher can be. Um, she's really, really important to, uh, to the time I spent here um, at Bethel as a student and has played a really big role, I think, in what Bethel looks like, um, what it's looked like in the last 30 years, um, what the gen ed curriculum looks like, um, lots of things like that. So uh, it was really great to sit down with her, and I really, really enjoyed um, doing this interview. If you want to email the show, it's autobiographypodcast at gmail.com. And the show page, if you're looking for um, past episodes or you're looking to uh, to take a look at the media and book recommendations uh, from the guests, is autobiographypodcast.com. WordPress.com. So check that out. And without further ado, here's my interview with Kathy Nevins. Well, I'm joined uh, by Kathy Nevins, um, and we're actually in your office. So, um, yeah. Um, so, I don't, am I joined by you if I'm in your office, or are you joined by me in your office? How does that work? You know, it's an interesting question, and I'm not really sure if that's <laughs> where okay. we want to have that's our conversation. Not, that's probably not where to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I guess I, I want to say, um, I, I jotted down a couple notes to myself to say, um, and I just want to put this first one out. There's just, I'm going to start kind of in a weird place, which is, this is the first time I've done one of these that sort of scares me a little bit. Um, and I'm going to explain yeah. why, because okay. I, don't, I don't mean this, um, take this in, in a positive spirit, because that's what okay. it's meant, is um, I'm a pretty private person generally in my life, especially when I was a student. I was a very private mm-hmm. person. And I had two teachers in my life um, when I was in college who... Um, scared me in a good way and by what i meant by that is that like they were people when i was in their classroom that i felt like there was a moment when a light switch turned on and i thought oh my gosh this person actually knows me more than i feel comfortable them knowing me and not even that i said anything but it's just like somebody who all of a sudden got me and it, it's it's uh, john linton at the oregon extension and you so so I'm always nervous to talk to people who I feel like, oh, you know things about me, even if I haven't said them. So I'm trying to get that on the table right away. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, typical of people who are in psychology who run into me. I remember a time when I had uh, I was in a hospital post-operation, knee operation, and the nurse was asking me to interpret her dream. Hmm. And uh, so, I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I, I, it's okay to be a private person. I promise to treasure the things that I know about you <laughs> and keep them private. So yeah, and I and I mean, even though um, I wasn't uh, obviously a student in your department, I had you for two classes when I was mm-hmm. a student here. Um, and and one of the things I always do when I interview somebody is I write down just a couple words that come to mind. Um, not that our conversation needs to go in these directions, but these are things that come to mind when I think about you uh, as a teacher, you as a colleague. Uh, the first is discussion. Um, your courses were definitely, at least the ones I had, were um, centered around that, um, which in my field we there was less of. I mean, we did discussion and mm-hmm. seminar kind of things, but um, it, that did rarely seemed to the core of the of the classes. Um, community it seems like a big theme. Uh, challenge and support. I feel like that's mm-hmm. like I get that more now mm-hmm. that I've been here. But as I look back at myself as a student, um, I, I understand that was going on a lot more, mm-hmm. even if I didn't realize it. Um, honors. Um, you were, were at the time deeply involved in the honors program. Still are deeply involved mm-hmm. in the honors program. Um, I put purple, just because <laughs> I. Um, that's something like you're one of those people where a color comes to mind when I, when I think of you and then, uh, creative tension. Um, and that's what I want to get to at some Mm -hmm. point because Mm -hmm. there's a definite experience of being in your classroom. Um, and I want to know, I know how I think about it as a student and someone watching you as a teacher, but I'm Mm -hmm. curious to talk to you about what that means for you as a teacher. Um, so those are things that, Mm -hmm. that, that sort of come to mind just to sort of set the table. But I mean the the purpose of this is to do do autobiography too. So maybe mm-hmm. we can sort of start at the start if if that uh, if that's if that works for you. Um, you are you are you mid you're Midwestern in a Broadway, right? Is, is I am Kansas Midwestern. Midwestern? Kansas, okay. Kansas is Midwestern. Um, I I was born there. Spent most of my growing up years, just a couple years uh, in Illinois while my father was getting his PhD, and then went off to. Colorado for undergraduate, so grew up in the Manhattan, Kansas college town. So, how big is Man was Manhattan was Manhattan? Mm. At, at that time, I think the town was smaller than the number of college students. But okay, maybe fifteen thousand, not you know fifteen hundred. But it, sure, um, it was a great place to grow up. Uh, I grew up there in the fifties, early sixties. You know, we, we had our share of tornadoes, of course. You know. mm-hmm. uh, we're from sunny Kansas where it rains some, snows some, some cyclones some, and blows some. Um, best state of all, of course. Uh, but my, I have uh, roots in Dodge City. Okay. So that's where my grandparents, that's where my dad grew up. Uh, that's where my great-grandparents homesteaded in Dodge City. So they're part of the, um, you know, what do you call it? civilization of the civilizing the West? Sure, sure, <laughs> right. sure. So I have a I have a, a, a nine year old son and a seven year old daughter. So like those are ages that I'm sort of I know what it's like to be that age because I'm sort of li- reliving it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were to think of yourself sort of in that age range, what 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 were you like at that age? Oh wow, um, that's interesting because that was at the time when. Uh, we moved, and I had to change schools and uh, become a stranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I was very familiar with the uh, people that I went to school with and that kind of thing. Um, but I was active. I loved to play outside. Uh, the thrill was that we moved to a, a house that had a ravine in the backyard, and then on the other side of the ravine was a park. Uh, and in Kansas, park is you know just wide open space mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then we also lived 
right next to the cemetery, a couple houses down from the cemetery. So um, exploring the cemetery, the you know, not necessarily being taken in by the stones, but by the trees and the groves and the you know the the bushes that you could hide under and play hide and seek mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. there. So uh, I was an outdoor girl uh, in that sense. Also, I did a lot of reading. I think uh, I was um, grew up on the Bobsy Twins, and uh, some uh, my grandmother had um, been an educator, and so she gave me, uh, you know, introduced me to the Little Colonel books, which were books i think that came out in the 1920s mm-hmm. 30s um uh, at least around for shirley temple to be in the little colonel which right, is the right, first right. book um i wasn't into nancy drew but uh, what i remember the most was these landmark books and they were history hmm. books that were written more for um, juveniles mm-hmm. uh, 30 seconds over tokyo barbary pirates um these are the titles that I remember, Profiles in Courage, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Kennedy's book. So, um, you know, I have memories of, um, there's a little tree house out in the back, Mm -hmm. ravine that I would go climb up in and um, What drew you to books like that? Um, You know, I don't know. It was, uh, I think my dad gave me, or maybe my grandparents, someone gave me a a subscription. Okay. So uh, you could you'd get one book okay. every month or something like that. So and was it was it the kind of thing where you were just reading what you could get your hands on, like or I mean, well, were you reading everything you could get your hands on? I guess is what I'm asking. Kind of. Well, like, I w- like I wasn't interested in the girly girly books. Okay. You know, I wasn't like uh, there was a nurse something and a Nancy. You know, I, mm-hmm. my sister was into oh Trixie Belden. And, and, no. Um, <laughs> Nancy Drew, no. Um, I was more into, I'd read Sherlock Holmes, these history books. Um, and and then I started very early on reading what was on my dad's shelf. Okay. Uh, and my mother. Uh, and dad had a lot of books as well. So, and I was drawn to history. And you're, that's the piece that I'm trying to figure out how to unpack. Uh, what was it? Maybe it was growing up in a... Uh, uh, a town in the middle of Kansas that, uh, or having connections with Dodge City and the mm-hmm. history of that town, uh, and Boot Hill, of course, was right across the street from the family house, and just be- being interested in roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where do things come from? How do yeah. things happen? What's well, interesting, I think about the my son especially, um, but but even some of my nieces and nephews like. At, at a certain age, I feel like there's this attraction to things that are real, too. Like, I mean, you can say, oh, this is, you know, like you could read a Nancy Drew book or something, and that's a story, and that's fine. But, like, there's something about um, when my son realizes that a story that I'm telling him or something we're reading about or something we're watching, like, this really happened or this is a real person, that that mm-hmm. has some kind of energy to it, too. I think mm-hmm. that that's, 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 uh, I don't know. I think, I think maybe it's uncovering. Like, you're real, mm-hmm. like, you're starting to realize the world is more than the time that I'm living in and you're uncovering some of those connections. But. That, that's interesting because what my association was, uh, a very vivid memory that I have um, of reading and looking at the pictures of Time magazine, but not just looking at the pictures, reading what was being said about those pictures, 
Um, and at that particular time in childhood, um, there was this, uh, for me, there was this uh, terrible fire in Chicago uh, mm. and a, at a school. And it was uh, a Catholic private school, and uh, there were children that were um, killed and uh, nuns who were killed. And uh, for some reason, that uh, stuck with me about... Um, sort of the the reality and mm -hmm. that there is tragedy in the world um, and I you know in some respects it sort of opened my eyes to not everything is lollipops rainbows kind sure. of you know, sure. world sure uh, how how connected to the I mean thinking about reading Time magazine or looking at the pictures like how connected to the broader world do you did you feel as a I feel bad saying this. As a child in the 1950s, I mean, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, so pre-internet, but but post-cable. Like 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 right. I I felt broadly culturally connected, you know. <laughs> right. I have to. I'm laughing because I uh, make a joke of growing up in a one-channel town. In other yeah. words, we we had one channel, Channel 11, WIBW from Topeka, Kansas, and that was. That was what we got. And it was a big deal when they negotiated with NBC, because they were CBS, um, they negotiated to get Bonanza hmm. for us to watch. So they crossed um, uh, broadcasting networks to, oh, of course, Kansas, Bonanza, you know, right, right, cowboys, right. gunsmoke. Right? It's your story. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> More than you know. <laughs> More than you know. So... Um, they, the whole Id idea of being connected in in a broader world, I have to give you know uh, credit to my parents. Mm -hmm. you know, they brought in um, magazines, Time, um, uh, Life, National Geographic, and we traveled. You know, okay. That was the big deal. Is uh, every summer we'd do a three week road trip to various parts of the country and associated with a professional meeting that sure. dad was going to go to what what what, is, what are some of those you remember that stick out to you in terms of meaningful experiences getting out of kansas getting out of kansas um well <laughs> i i remember florida i remember um and that was pre-disney world sure. and uh, seeing the ocean uh, for the first time and just being entranced and um with just the immenseness of it and also the rhythm of mm -hmm. of it. Uh, and I also remember being in New Orleans and uh, our air conditioning breaking in the <laughs> car. Um, there, you know, Colorado was close by to, to Kansas, so, mm -hmm. you know, we would go to Colorado uh, numerous times. But Mesa Verde... Uh, Grand Canyon, um, uh, the uh, redwood sequoias mm -hmm. in Northern California. Um, yeah, just I, I remember the nature aspects sure. more than anything. I think. Yeah, well, I mean that's all the things you're naming. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so when you when you think about yourself, you know, at, at those ages, what did, what were you thinking about in terms of like what your life was going to look like? I, yeah. A couple, a couple. Uh, I think the last person I talked to was, was Sarah Shady, and we talked mm -hmm. a lot about like 
how different like the options seemed as a nine year old to sort of what how the world opened up at at different mm-hmm. times. Right. Well, you know, I think this is. Uh What's so fascinating about that kind of question is that when I think about nine, when I was nine or ten, uh, I was not thinking about uh, growing up and having, you know, getting married and having babies, Mm -hmm. which pretty much everybody else in my class, females, was doing that. Not why were they thinking that, but why weren't you? Why? Why? Well, that that is uh, what I enjoy asking myself, and I again go back to the role models in my family. Okay. So I have um, my father is not the first person to have a PhD in my family. Actually, he had an aunt, my great aunt, who was the first person to get a doctorate in health and safety. First person, uh, no, excuse me, first woman, um, and she didn't get married till she was in her fifties. And was married for a very short time um, to a White House correspondent who ended up dying of a heart attack. Um, and her older sister also never never married and was an educator. Uh, actually, was a school superintendent hmm. um, in Kansas, Western Kansas, going from you know country schoolhouse to country schoolhouse in a horse and buggy, right uh, and. Uh, so they, you know, that was okay, and that was okay for my father. Um, and I think that uh, it was to him that I think that he gave me the space to think that I might be something other than a wife and mother, mm-hmm. which is, uh, for all of my growing up years, what my mother did. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on the other hand, she was a professional musician, so she was more than a, a wife and mother. Sure, sure. But her life was certainly centered more around us kids. Sure, sure. So, so if you weren't going to do that, I mean, what, what, what did the world look like then? Oh, I was going to be an artist. Okay. And I tell this, <laughs> um, I tell the story of Marsha Botker. You know, I was going to be an artist, and um, would uh, I even remember take my parents letting me uh, take art lessons. And then in fourth grade, Marsha Botker drew a squirrel that looked like a squirrel. And my horses were still sticks and circles. <laughs> <laughs> they had some form uh, to them, but they were clearly, um, un- they didn't look like horses. They didn't really look like horses. And I thought, well, maybe I'm not cut out to be an artist. <laughs> so find something else to do. Um, and I, I, it's funny because I never really knew exactly what that was going to be. You know, I went through a time when I wanted to be a PE teacher, like my great aunt who, um, went into health and safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my mother said, you don't want to be a hairy old gym teacher. So I, you know, these little f- phrases that parents like you mm-hmm. need to pay attention to you never know what's going to stick right. when you say these things um and then uh i was taking uh doing you know, i started doing s- more science more math more um 
I remember taking the differential aptitude test and doing really well in mechanical reasoning. Guess what? My father's a mechanical engineer and an educator. Uh, So mechanical reasoning, visual spatial abilities. Uh, My math uh, uh, ability was actually higher than my verbal ability. And uh, so I was in the fast track. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, you know, was taking trig earlier than everybody else. Well, there was a group of sure. my uh, colleagues that were doing that. And I think my father wanted me to be an engineer. He wanted more women in engineering. Um, but there was something about fo- needing to follow in his footsteps mm-hmm. that didn't feel right. Okay. Well, what, what, were there periods of time where that was, if someone had asked you, that's what you would have been like, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do, just because you that, because you saw somebody like, oh, I can imagine that job, or was that always just the, that's not what I'm going to do? I think it was, that's not what I'm going to do. Okay. I enjoy uh, building things. I enjoy puzzles. I've always enjoyed putting things together, taking things apart, um, you know, trying to put them together and hopefully they go back together again Uh, but more um more the creative endeavors i thought you know professionally that i'd be you know a musician i was in the orchestra i played in the orchestra um but just you know i didn't really land in in psychology until later sure till so as you're going through high school um do you continue to sort of voraciously read? Is reading still, a, as you're going through mm-hmm. high school, is that something you're still doing a lot of? Yes. So yeah. what are what are things, you know, in those years that are you're being drawn to? Uh, I think I'm still remembering uh, history, uh, historical biographies, also historical novels. Um, and... What do I remember reading? Uh, I remember reading, uh, oh, the Silver Chalice, uh, and you know that that whole series mm-hmm. uh, of books. Um, I read Advice and Consent. Uh, I remember reading a, a. Maybe it's one of those things where you just take whatever's on the the shelf. Right. You know, I went through the classics. I started reading the classics in ninth grade, Mrs. Kilpatrick was her name. Uh, she gave awards for who read the most books. And mm-hmm. so she had this list, seems like reams of, of books that you should read. So I just, you know, I would start going through those, you know. Um, Man of, uh, what is it? Um, Cervantes and uh, uh, um, oh, just anything that you think about in terms of classics, sure, both American sure. and European and sure. ter- with regard to Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer, read those. Um, See, I'm so envious. And, and, and this is and not just of you, but of people who were readers as children. Like, mm-hmm. I really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I hit college. I hit my freshman year, and I started to... My, my world expanded. I, I started mm-hmm. to know more people. And I realized that people hadn't been putting the right books in front of me. So, like, I read because um, I needed to mm-hmm. read for school. But it wasn't something I developed the love for because... Mm-hmm. I just I like no one had given me To Kill a Mockingbird in high school. Right. Like I should like I would have loved that. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I mean I knew the title probably, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know that that existed. And I spent the every summer of of college. I I, I had jobs that I could work. Um, I worked weird hours, so my when my friends were at work, I would have I would be free during the day. I would just go to the library and read two or three books a week, and not like 
I mean, stuff that I should have already have read, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to go back myself more year and be able to feel like I'm on equal footing with you. Okay. With you people. So it's like, so I wasn't <laughs> one of those people. So I, whenever I hear people talk about spending those, you know, years from 13 to 18, like reading great books, I just think, I, I mm-hmm. wish I, I had such a good education. I went to a great school, but that was, that's was just one of the shortcomings is people weren't putting books in front of me that, that could have made such an imp- that I had to go back and do that. Right. So, right. and I still feel like I'm catching up on things, you know, in terms of stuff that they're like, how, how haven't I read that? Somebody will right. say something about a book. And yeah, so that's something I always, I, I, I love to hear people tell, tell about stuff that they read at that age and, yeah. you know, how those things affect and shape you sometimes. Well, that's, uh, I, I know that I did other things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that was devouring, um, Having that motivation of, you know, how many books can you read? And, of course, wanting to read more than Karen Pizzarisi or (laughs) that kind of thing. But what's coming back to me are, you know, James Fenimore Cooper and Hawthorne and, you know, authors that Alcott. I mean, I would find an author and then I would read, try to read everything that they had written. So uh, so I'm reading maybe the less um, well-known of their books um, you know and uh, i i still do that you know, yeah. i'll find a, an author louise penny is a, a mystery writer uh, right now from canada and i'm you know i can hardly wait till the next one right let me read all of them uh, or madeline lingle i mean right. i just kind of go all over the place i'm not really into horror uh-huh. I, at least i have some genres that i'm not really interested in getting in, involved in twilight's not my thing, <laughs> um, but I did read the Hunger Games, mm-hmm. so uh, you know the the series there, and um, uh, I think when I think about what's different about what I'm reading now is that I um, appreciate the characterization rather than just the story, mm-hmm. the narrative. Yeah, so, hmm. uh, and maybe that's also because you know I'm in psychology and sure. I'm. I'm curious about how the craft of a, of a writing artist comes up with these uh, characters that can be uh, inconsistent and yet consistent mm-hmm. in their well okay um, I, I want to go to something else then that that, that that's I always found interesting about you as a student um, is is your interest in theater too? I mean, thinking about characters and and that. I mean, when did that mm-hmm. begin? Was that something you were doing in high school? Was that? No. Um, matter of fact, it's that's a point of tension actually that you bring it up. Um, my sister, who's two years younger than I, I was in student council and um, so on and so on, and she was doing theater and and music uh, voice. And theater, and matter of fact, she is a professional actress. Hmm. And I remember thinking about, I did something in high school, you know, the senior show, mm-hmm. uh, music band. I played the mother, and it's I a was part. Yeah, yeah, it was. I got an Irish accent. Yeah, it's not a huge little part, Norwegian. You, yeah, you, get to, you know, you have a little fun with that. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was hilarious. Um, and I remember being told that I needed to look older than I did on stage. Um, and I was in Sound of Music as a little kid, but uh, my parents actually sat me down and said, that's your sister's really area, so you need to leave that alone. 
So I did, uh, and I didn't do anything until. What do you suppose that was? Was it was it because you were older and involved in a lot of stuff, and they wanted to have something that you did, that just didn't belong? To? That's really interesting. Yeah, I was nodding my head to um, Sam here. The, yeah, uh, I was involved in a number of things, uh, you know, athletics and student council and orchestra and um, senior choir, and uh, being on stage was... Like, were your you know, parents younger siblings themselves? Or no. Were they, they were the mm-hmm. oldest? Both of them were... Uh, wow. Firstborn. It's interesting that they were they were tapped in enough to know that as a young, I'm a younger sibling myself, yeah. like knowing what it's like to live in the shadow of someone. Even mm-hmm. yeah, that's really interesting because I yeah. I definitely found myself in high school um, drawn to things my brother didn't do, but also not uninterested in things that I felt like he had kind of taken care of. Like my brother was very political and was like student body president and he was that when he was in college at the university mm-hmm. of minnesota like that, you know so like that was his world and i just started to realize i'm i don't i just don't want to fight with that so i would so that's why i took a lot of art classes because he didn't do that and i tried to find the things he didn't do mm-hmm. um but that's actually really i mean it's for your sake since this is your story yeah. it's, it's yeah. kind of sad but but like at another level it's sort of interesting that your parents were like just can you save that for her that's really right. interesting right and i got it so uh, finally, you know, you, you start getting older and uh, you say, what, what is it that I want to do? What is it that I want to try that I haven't tried before? And I credit um, Rick Reese and um, Jeffrey Miller here uh, for letting me sort of hmm. have a taste and for... Uh, Pamela Jorn, who's a friend of mine who is a playwright, who gave my name to a student at the University of Minnesota. This was my first uh, opportunity to be on stage. Mm -hmm. And she was doing, she's a student director, and she wanted to work with people who had not been in theater before and who were middle-aged. Well, guess what? (laughs) I fit the bill. I fit the bill. So... Uh, and the experience was short-lived, but it the something happened when I was on stage working with those um, women, and it was spiritual. Hmm. Uh, doesn't always happen, but when it does, uh, it it is um, it's something that stays with you and gives you a connection with people that is not just horizontal but also vertical Mm -hmm. and uh, it that space of uh, connecting with the people that you're working with and in ways that have boundaries right uh, but it also takes your being taken outside of yourself or or in some with some characters deep within yourself uh, in ways and connecting in ways that um, we don't normally get to do so that's what what drew me to, uh, to theater was sort of seeking that sure. um, that spiritual experience. I, I feel weird saying 
with the second time in like 15 minutes. But that's something I'm always envious of. Like, I love to go to plays. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a play. I'm kind of terrified by the thought of it. My wife was a theater minor and right. plays and directed well, plays and in middle let, school. Well, and let's point out that I was in a show with that's her. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And every time that I that I go to a play, especially especially if it's not something that's like a professional production, but it's like a college production or a high school production, mm-hmm. I love I love the experience of going to play. even like a like a children's play. I love the experience of going to it, but there's something about when the play ends and the lights come on in the theater and you still see the actors and like they're together like on the stage or in a corner of the stage where you get a peek of what they're doing and like I just the sense of like they just did something just happened and they just did something and you can it's whatever is coming off of them you can feel from hundred feet away and it's just like I, I just want to like I want to have that experience of like we we did all of this work we put this in and and something bigger than us happened and I just think that's it's it's one of the, those weird moments like every time I see it I just think like I just want to be involved in something that has that feeling to it even for for the it's probably it's probably you know it's probably the kind of thing that like it lasts for about 10 minutes 20 minutes and then life starts to happen again but there's just but there's that moment and it's so palpable and uh, I just think that's really cool uh, and and I'm I'm I admire people who who do theater because <laughs> because that's where I I feel like I don't see that in I'm part of lots of things that are big productions that people are doing but but there's something about live theater where that there's a weird energy that's really cool and I, I really I admire people who um, are willing to dive into that and 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 I think they deserve that experience that I'm uh, witnessing from a distance yeah. so you just uh, revealed something to me <laughs> that now I'm going to get to challenge you on to take some risks sometime oh it's definitely it's definitely a, like a goal it's definitely something that that I I say those things out loud because I've already processed them a little bit inside. Like, yeah, you know, like yeah. there's, like it's I, I know I know what I kind of I know what I want to feel. I just need to figure out how to get there. You know, Mark Bruce in in mm-hmm. English um, talked to me once after he did England term, and um, he was just puzzled by his feelings when he came back and how uh, connected he felt with his group and mm-hmm. how um you know that it was on another level sure uh, a, a sort of a deeper higher i mean you know it's both it's deeper and higher connections that you have with people that sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. but when it does happen it's memorable mm-hmm. it will be a part of you um and i i i can't think of a better term to use than to say it's a spiritual connection mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that God is in that. Well, I want to fast forward a little bit then and we'll sure. come back to college because I, I also think about uh, the, the first time that I had you in class um, was, was an, it was an, I think it probably an interesting scenario for everyone involved because it was, I was in the, the first honors program group here at Bethel and you, you were part of shaping that program in general, mm-hmm. right? You were part mm-hmm. of the team that put that together. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm presuming, right? Yeah, okay. I came in uh, late. Okay, you know there are other people that deserve more credit. Okay, yeah, uh, okay, okay. Um, but but you taught the were we sophomores? Yeah, so the sophomore year course, concepts of community. So so our group had had two courses together, and I think it was the spring of our sophomore year. I, was it? Might have been fall. Was it fall? Okay, maybe it was yeah. fall. Yes, the, yes, it was fall um, of our sophomore year. Um, and 
and it was so it was the first time you had taught the course, and it was like no course I had ever taken before. I mean, it's the closest thing. To, I've led students on study abroad trips. I've gone on study abroad trips as a student. It's kind of the closest thing I've had to something that's like study abroad, where where you're you have to keep stepping out of what you what you think is a normal classroom. So I would be curious just to know sort of your memories of that the first time you taught that class, your expectations for that class, because uh, I will say. So when I think of the most sort of profound student experiences I've had, a couple of them happened in that classroom. And, and, and one that one of my big like life takeaway moments, I remember in, uh, uh, in Douglas Copeland's uh, Generation X, there's, there's a, a scene where a bunch of the students are or students, a bunch of the characters are sitting around talking about like their takeaway moments in life. And like one of mine, it's, it's, it's the problem is in my head, it, it gets too like cheesy, like in a movie, like I could, I could actually hear the music swelling in the background <laughs> as, as, as sorry, you and I had a particular connection in a class period. Um, so like, that's one of the most meaningful classes I've ever had, but I'm sort of curious from, from, you know, now that we're 17 years removed from that mm-hmm. or something like, what were your thoughts as you shaped that class? Um, yeah, I'm sort of curious from your perspectives on that. Well, I think there's, uh, couple things. One is that I was in an honors program at University of Colorado, and that program was uh, kind of like coming to Bethel and the interim courses. They're supposed to be more novel. They're supposed to be uh, interdisciplinary. They're supposed to get people to engage in lifelong questions. Um, so I you know, I took the Bible as psychology was one mm. of my courses that I, I remember. Um, that's just one of them. So I wanted to s- come up with a course that um, wasn't about imparting information, but it was about uh, kind of a, a mix of self-reflection uh connection with others and uh, a broader uh, awareness of your place in the world and uh, your contribution or lack thereof, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, So, and I, 17 years ago, um, 20 years ago, I, you know, I I don't want to be bored either, right? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So, I have always tried to figure out, okay, what's the goal and how can I get there in a way and how can I help students, importantly, how can I get students to get there, accomplish that goal in a way that isn't plodding, right? Uh, Read this book, take this test kind of thing. Um, And so trying to be creative about, all right, how can people communicate to me what they've learned? Most people take their test. This I'm gonna mm-hmm. come back, but yep, you know, yep. what is it in uh, a zoo story? You know, takes a sometimes it takes long a lot. Right, ro- right. right, exactly. Um, so uh, in personality, I had uh, my final for for that class was sitting down in market, well, the old DC with old-fashioned cassette tape recorders that nobody knows what they are anymore uh, at tables where six people would sit around that tape recorder. Uh, I would show them a clip uh, of What About Bob? And then each of them were assigned a different personality theory. And then they were to discuss Bob 
from their different personality theories together, hmm. trying to figure out what do we know about Bob? <laughs> what is it about Bob? And can there be a higher order understanding of him when everybody's around the table sharing a particular point of view? So it required them to, A, know their theory, B, apply that theory to Bob, C, to engage with each other to analyze Bob, and then to try to find some synthesis mm. of who Bob is. Um, and uh, the students loved it. Well, they were scared. Right. Right? That's part of your classroom, though, right? <laughs> okay, yes. Um, so they're scared, so I try to do a lot with them in terms of prepping for them, you know, assuring them you know, to take the risk. And to see. And so when we're done, that's when they're, hey, that, was, that wasn't that was so bad. That was kind of interesting. Um, and then, of course, in the, in the back of their minds is, how are you grading this? How right, are you right, grading right. this? Uh, and it's amazing. If you know your theory, all of those play out. Um, if you know your theory well, that's going to play out really well. So uh, in coming to this to this class really wanting people to engage with the questions of you know what's a community oh let me do them okay okay so it was what is community Mm -hmm. who is community why or how is community i think that was one question then what makes community good what makes community evil i think were the four questions we did right is that close close there were a couple combined there and then the last one is what how do I want to live in community? Okay. It was right? 17 years ago. I'm doing yes, my best. Yes, you're doing great. Well, and remember, I'm you're remembering them from 17 years ago. I'm remembering them from right, the, exactly. yeah, right now. So, And they do evolve sure, sure, uh, sure. as we go along. So uh, how, how do I get people to engage these questions? Why these questions? And that, that's another story of saying, um, you know, of course... This is at, post uh, People's Temple, post Jim Jones. Um, I have ha- I had uh, a student once who was involved in a gang and going to Bethel and living two very you know mm. compartmentalized life. Life. Uh, I've had um, students who got you know I think it's um, I'll just say it they got sucked into uh, cults Christian cults mm. and. Um, can can cults be Christian? I don't know. Can Christian? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and uh, also, and kind of turned on to this in part because I had a um, student early on in my career who at, at another institution who wanted to study the Moonies, and the way that he wanted to do this, and this is what made me so nervous, was he was going to get picked up by them. He was going to join them for uh, six months. And then he uh, was going to um, get out. Hmm. And um, I was concerned about him getting out. And for people who don't know, know the, it's the Unification Church, the Moonies. And back then, um, they were the ones that were selling flowers on the streets, on street corners, uh, and um, had massive weddings and you know, just you know some concern about whether or not and where uh, you're going to end up. And he came out. He, he, he did 
preparations in terms of selling all of his goods so he didn't have uh, anything that they could take away from him. Uh, and, you know, this was in Kansas, and he ended up in uh, New England. Hmm. And uh, he said it was very easy to get out uh, because when um, he was talking with his mentor, he started asking questions and quoting this. He was very well-versed in Scripture, and he said he started quoting Scripture back to him, and they decided that maybe I wasn't a good fit anymore, hmm. and they um, put him on a bus and sent him home. So... Here, learning was not just about, you know, even though I was a reader, learning was about experiencing and reflecting on those experiences and um, knowing, you know, developmentally that that when people are in their routine, that's all they're going to know and, and uh, knowledge is out there and not internalized. So, um, hence... All the stuff that I put you through. Yeah. What was so interesting is, is there 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 are activities that I can remember. So they were some of them are memorable because I realized either in usually not in the moment, but usually, hopefully soon after the fact, but sometimes long after the fact. Like oh, that's what we were doing. There are some that I don't remember. Like I remember doing them, but I don't remember like what was the, what was like the what big was the point? Yeah. Like, and I'm sure. I mean, I mean, I'm sure I could articulate. Oh, this is probably what it was, but. But like, but they were they were memorable. Sometimes they were just experiences too. Like, mm-hmm. and I think part of it was getting a group of hyper grade conscious students to just do something that seemed like you couldn't grade it, mm-hmm. um, and just to realize like we're just going to do things sometimes, and it's about us connecting with each other, and it's all part of a much longer thing that we're part of. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I remember building towers out of rolled up newspaper and taking ceiling tiles out so we could get them higher. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the one that that Lindy Finnefrock or Lindy Fabrini and I talk about is one of the first days we were in some RC classroom and you had this big sheet of paper laid over like a huge table and we had to and you had coloring crayons and we had to all draw and color and keep moving chairs so you kept working on other people's pictures. I mean that one I, I get kind of mm-hmm. what we were what you were you were going with that but it was it was a very that was one of the first days and it was a very mm-hmm. strange like. Because uh, we all start trying to kind of protect what we're doing, and eventually it all becomes one thing. And yeah, I mean, I get yeah. it, but 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 it was like those were those were big moments. Um, and I, I'll say the, uh, the 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 big the big takeaway uh, memory for me uh, or moment for me was when we were working on the what makes community good, what makes community evil. And another thing I should say about like so the assignments, as I remember them, started with just that question like that's the assignment so there wasn't a lot of write a 900 word essay with this like it was just you had to do this Mm -hmm. you had to answer this and then you had to find a way to do that i remember that was the one that was towards the end it had to be in the spring that we took it because i remember the weather was nice okay um and it was towards the end of the semester and i was I don't know what else was going on in my life. I had changed my major. I was trying to figure out things. I was getting ready to, to go to the Oregon Extension. I remember being really frustrated. I, th- and, I mean, I, I think in, in what I ended up saying in class and I think eventually writing, I'm not sure. But I remember even saying to you, like, there was a point where I hated this class because of this. There was a point where I'm pretty sure I hated you because of this because we had to do this. Um, and I remember, for me, that assignment... <laughs> Part of it took the the form of I just took these massively long walks around Shoreview and Arden Hills just trying to get in, both get out of my head and then get back into it in a different way, trying to think about those. 
And I remember it culminated with I was walking actually pretty close to where I live now by the it was by the McDonald's uh, by Bethel, mm-hmm. and it it's like the heavens opened up with like a biblical rainstorm. It was I was soaked, and I was just I mean I was in the middle of just walking around, and I remember I went into the McDonald's just and I just was just dripping buckets off of me, and I sat down there and just thought I'm not going to get up until I can answer this question. Um, and this was after probably a two hour walk and, and some, somehow in that moment, like it occurred to me, like, okay, what makes community good? I do. What makes community evil? I do. And so that was going to, that was my answer. But I was like, and then I didn't know how to, I didn't know what to do with that. And I think I wrote a paper that was, that I didn't like, or maybe it was even, I wrote a letter to you that I, like, I just, mm-hmm. but the, the important part, and, and this is the part that would be, well, and that part would be in the movie, but the part that would be in the movie of my life would be sitting in your class. And I remember the room we were in, I remember where I was sitting and it was sort of my turn to present. And I, I didn't even get up. I just sat in my chair and I told that story about hating the class, hating you, the rain and and I came to that. I, I, and then I came to that answer, and then I, I remember I turned to you and I said, and I wrote a paper. Or no, I didn't say. That. I, I, I said, "What makes community good is me. What makes community evil is me." And I said, "But I don't know how to answer your question." And all you said was, "I think you just did." Then the music swell. In my memory, that's yes. what the music was like. Oh, yes. that's what it is. This is about process. It's not about can I write like a, a beautiful paper which expresses these ideas. I don't remember if I, I I'm sure I must have written something. I'm sure that it wasn't just but I, but I remember it was so easy to write at that point because I didn't care. I didn't care what the document said. I cared that I was with these people who I'd spent this mm-hmm. time with and I was with you and I said what I wanted to say and I told that story and and for me that was a big that, for me that was a big step to just mm-hmm. sort of say, I kind of broke down and didn't know what to do and I'm not wasn't somebody who was used to a moment of saying I don't know what to do I'm not in control of this and I need to try to yeah so that I mean that that's one of the most important educational moments in my life in terms of something that happened in and around a classroom definitely so um, yeah that I mean that class has and I just carry I carry the both the tools and the baggage of that class with me for the rest of my life so hopefully the tools fit in the baggage some of them yes Uh, the baggage is light enough to carry let's let that's probably stay with the analogy right so so that was all fast forwarding i don't even Mm -hmm. remember why we did but that was worth talking about and we'll come back to that but i'm sort of Mm -hmm. curious about um college like going to college Uh choosing college what was college like um at what point did psychology enter the picture because because in high school we haven't gotten there yet it seems like no um I did an early application to the University of Colorado, and why Colorado was that originally I wanted to go to Radcliffe, because at that time women were not allowed to go to Harvard, or I wanted to go to Claremont, uh, and uh, that was out in California. Mm-hmm. And my father sat me down and said, we want you to go to one of the big eight schools which is Colorado, Iowa, Missouri, Oklahoma, um, K- even KU, which was that would unthinkable. Been, would that have been acceptable? <laughs> that would have been acceptable. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was K-State just not going to happen for you, though? Or? I didn't want to go. Okay. I wanted to get out of town. Okay. Um, I was ready to kind of get away from my parents and um, kind of did. I, I'd done Manhattan. I wanted, I need to go somewhere else mm-hmm. uh, to kind of be more independent to uh, figure out who I was. And 
at the time, I, uh, I remember the uh, bus driver, We, were, you know, he had to drive to go to the football games. Mm-hmm. And he said, so what are you going to major in? I said, classical languages and music. And his answer to, back to me was, oh, you're going to be a singing nun. Pretty good comeback. <laughs> it was a great comeback, which also tells you the singing nun was actually not the one that's showing up on the news from Italy, but there was a singing nun who was doing Dominica um, songs, and so it kind of fit. And I did play um, guitar, and I was interested in music and interested in Latin. I had taken Latin in high school, and that was a, a story, too, because my Latin teacher went left uh, in the middle of the semester, mm. so I had one and a half years of Latin. Mm. Um, so classical languages and music. So I, when I went to the uh, Colorado, um, I went into music, and this is 1968, um, right? And I'm in the middle of the quadrangle there, the quad and uh, Senator Muskie is running for president, and he's come to speak to us. And all around the roofs of the buildings that surrounded the quad were men in um, riot gear and automatic rifles and so on. And uh, I thought, first of all, what is going on? And secondly, I thought, I do not want to spend 40 hours a week in a practice room to become a good violist and to, uh, I actually had a vocal emphasis as well. So uh, I don't want to do this. Um, So I said, I got to find something else to do. So I, okay, I looked around, thought, well, you know what? I want to be a doctor. So I took chemistry and... uh, when I got a B in chemistry and a B in calculus, I went into the career services people and I said, you know, I want to be a doctor, but I just got two Bs. And the woman sat me down and said, well, you should know that only three women, this is where gender comes in, three women got into the University of Colorado Medical School last year and they all had three nine fives or better. And I'm saying, well, golly, maybe... I'm not going to get into med school. So let's try French. Because <laughs> I had a lot of credits in French. So um, I majored in French for maybe a semester. And at the end of that, you know, I, I was in uh, the third year French class and we were reading Phaedra in French. And I'm going, you know, this isn't really, you know, I don't love this. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the drawing board and I looked at my schedule. I said I had more psych courses than anything else towards a psych major. And I said, okay, I'll major in psych. So uh, that's what our, I'm what, second semester sophomore, first first semester junior, and I decide to major in psychology. Hmm. Okay. Well, fast forward, I'll use your term, fast forward to I'm in graduate school. I'm in a PhD program with Joida Hansen, who was in charge of the uh, strong interest inventory, strong camel interest inventory back then in the revisions. And she said, bring your old ones to class and let's look at if you ever took it. Hmm. So I pulled out my high school 
strong Campbell interest inventory. And I will say that I took both the men's version and the women's version because the men's version had all the engineering and the psychology sure. and the farmer and um, the women's version, the female version was dental hygienist, hairdresser, secretary. So thankfully. Forgive me, I didn't realize that, I mean, I guess it makes sense thinking about it that, that they would, I would, it didn't occur to me that those would be divided. Uh huh. <laughs> I grew up when there were uh, uh, wanted men columns in the uh, huh. newspapers. Okay. Column uh, wanted fe- women uh, column in the newspapers. So yeah, there was. Huh. Um, so you know, I was when I was thinking about being a doctor. There were three women, and you know, you look sure. at now, and you know, majority of people who are in law school or right. med school are, are female, um, or even going to getting a PhD, right? right? So, but it, to so they look at the inventory, and looking at the inventory, and guess what? My highest number was psychologist, huh? And for some reason, I had not that had just gone right over my head. Interesting. So now, would that have been because now this would have been, would have been in high school you took these? Or yeah. Mm-hmm. Would it, would, you, would that have been a category for you to have? Would that have been a meaningful category for you to, if you saw that on there? You know, I took uh, a one semester course in psychology as a senior, and the most I remember from that is we were awful. We we made fun of the teacher. Um, because she wore orange lipstick and red dresses, and she called Sigmund Freud Freud, and we knew better. So, oh, we were just we so were she awful. Lost all credibility at that yeah. point. Yeah. So we were just awful. Uh, you know, um, we were awful kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, holier than thou, you know, kind of thing. Yes. Yes. So uh, it was it was good. It was good to go to college, and to, I took. Um, I remember this. I took calculus, and it was the first time that I couldn't uh, wrap my head around 100% of the... Buddy, that <laughs> All is, right. That, I, I, I took calculus from Patrice Conrath here. I think I got an... I, I shouldn't say that. I know I got an A in the class, but it was the first time in a math class where it was like, I'm just doing the homework. Like, I don't, I don't get... I don't get what we're doing. I don't like, and, and I didn't. And it was in math was always it had just come easy. It was like, right. well, yeah, it makes sense. This yeah. is wow. That makes me feel good to hear because I'm always sort of I work with Patrice a lot now. I'm always sort of nervous to tell her like I, I didn't get what we were doing. Right. Well, you know what? It's developmental because when I got into my grad program and started working with statistics. You know, the first, my undergraduate stats was, you know, okay, I'll, I'll get through this. I'll try mm-hmm. to figure this out. But when I got into graduate school and understanding probability, that, it's like, oh, now I get it. Sure, sure. So I think there is a, a developmental arc yeah, when it comes yeah. to sort of a higher, well, I'll call it higher math. But Right, right. Well, and I also, like, I, I will say, I, I, I get frustrated by anybody who tells me, oh, I just can't do math. It's like, no, no, like, you can do it, and we can figure it out. Because I work with a lot of students mm-hmm. who, who are have major math phobias. And um, so I'm not, I, by me saying I didn't understand calculus well, like, I'm not, like, I love, love math. I love doing math with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, yeah, that would be very interesting. And cause I think part of it is I couldn't figure out where I was going to. It's the first time I couldn't figure out where I would ever use this. 
And so it, it felt it that felt trickier for me to wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Oh well, and another quick story, which is my um, when I took chemistry, um, we were required to get a slide rule. No calculators. Huh. I remember seeing my first calculator when I went to Kansas State for my master's. I did end up looping back to Kansas State for my master's. So yes, I so I can legitimately wear purple. Um, So yeah, it was a Texas Instruments. I think it was like one hundred thirty dollars, and it did not do graphic. You know, that was not a graphic calculator. Huh. (laughs) So, so from uh, what what was your your area of study in grad school? Okay. Um, I did. I started emphasizing in college student development. Okay. And uh, initially w- decided that I wanted to major in extracurricular activities. And the closest profession to that, this is my how I tell this story, it was to be a dean of women or a dean of men, which is mm-hmm. back then that's what you had. And um, so college student development, going into student personnel work, college student personnel work, um, and that profession uh, focused on counseling psychology. So my emphasis is in counseling psychology and um, college student development, Mm -hmm. which is how I got interested in developmental instruction and Challenge and support, sure, sure. and uh, went to the University of Minnesota. Fell in with a, a group that were on the cutting edge with developmental instruction: Lee Kneff Camp, um, Clyde Parker, Carol Wittick, um, uh, Patricia King. Sort of the reflective judgment mm-hmm. uh, roots are from Minnesota. So, and um, so then, did you work in student development? My first job was. Uh, associate dean and instructor in psychology. So I've always, okay. you know, I started in a, a dual role. And where was that at? That was at Ottawa University in Kansas. Oh, okay. Um, so I started there and then, um, and did a, a whole variety of things. It was a small college, so we did some career development, did some um, uh, teaching in, in psychology and uh, leadership development, programming, counseling, discipline, and that was the that that was the part that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Was telling you know when I found myself chasing after a woman down the hallway who um, had been caught in her room having sex with a can I say that having sure. <laughs> having sex with her boyfriend um, uh, by her roommate who supposedly had moved out and then came back to pick up a couple mm-hmm. more things uh, yeah that was um, I went I, I don't like this <laughs> so when did you move from Ottawa to Bethel or was there another stop on the way nope um, nope that was a, a direct line. Okay. What and was the nature of that move, or what? Or how did? How well, did I was. Uh, I I got married, and my ex husband was at seminary, so I came up here, uh, met Mac Nettleton, and Marilyn Starr, and talked with them about um, options for hire, and they said, "Well, we're opening this uh, p- place called." Fountain Terrace, and we need um, resident directors. 
So my first job here was with my husband um, being uh, resident directors over at Fountain Terrace. And also on my resume was um, the fact that I'd been an assistant basketball coach at Moorhead State. And Max said, oh, guess what? We need a women's basketball coach here. Will you do it for (laughs) $1,000? <laughs> anything, anything. Sure. Um, so I, it, I did that, and then they needed the psychology department. I came over to the psychology department, and they needed somebody to teach group dynamics. So during interim, so I taught that, um, and then uh, got, I, you know, things are fuzzy to sure. me. And then yeah. I started teaching uh, adjunct at North Central. I did a stint there for a year, fulfill, you know, filling in for someone. I taught at. Um, Concordia, St. Paul, filling in for someone, um, and uh, started my Ph.D. program, started teaching intro here, uh, back when there were, the classes were 150 students, mm. and I would have two sections of them. Good night. So, uh, in... We don't know how good we have. Yeah, <laughs> FA 313, <laughs> right? And, um, and then... A full-time position was uh, opened up, and I applied, and uh, I remember going through that uh, experience and being told by um, the cantankerous Don Larson that uh, he didn't know how we could possibly be colleagues because I represented two of the things that he most abhorred, and that was athletics and student development (laughs) (laughs) or student life. and and uh, w- what put me in good stead, I guess, is I laughed at him. Hmm. <laughs> and I said, well, we'll find a way. Something like that. And uh, we he turned out to be um, accepting of me. And, and, you know, I was I was young. I was, what, 28, 30, something sure. like that. So what, so year, what year was that that you would have started here then? Uh, as basketball coach was 1977. Okay. And then full time in the department in 1981, and I came here um, uh, ABD. Okay. So, okay. Um, so what was what was Bethel like in the 80s? I know that the 80s especially were some kind of rough times. Yeah. Um, I, the, I doing a couple of years ago. I can't remember what I was doing, but I had to go back and was looking at old clarions from the through the. Uh, the oh, I was doing a thing on CWC when mm-hmm. the origins of that and. Reading just Clarion headlines, like uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the the eighties were were sort of a, a challenging time here. Um, right. So what what was that like? Well, it reminds me of the tale of two cities, right? It's best of time, wor- times worst of times. Um, we had uh, three like three years in a row, terrible um, enrollment issues. And faculty were being cut. Um, faculty said, we'll make that decision. So it was the faculty that made those decisions, and which was even more disturbing mm-hmm. in terms of our um, the faculty community. And, uh, and it, on the other hand, it was the beginning of uh, the spectrum and our grant to engage in developmental instruction, Challenge and support became was introduced. We got a chance to um, revise the curriculum with interdisciplinary courses. I mean, the, we were 
you know, in some respects, the 80s for the faculty was a time when innovation, was, there was space for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to do things um, uh, uh, cheaply, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't well paid anyway. I mean, I, I have colleagues who can tell you of stories of standing in line for government handouts, uh, you know, the cheese lines. Um, they used to buy uh, toilet paper, for example, in bulk and put the put it down in the faculty lounge and people would come in and get what they ordered. You know? mm. So, mm. so um, all sorts of ways to save money uh, because we weren't paid well. But in, in the midst of that, we had people who were coming up with novel ideas. Mm-hmm. CWC is an outgrowth of that. Um, ICA in its current rendition was a, you know, a part mm-hmm. of that um, interdisciplinary. How do we sure. I- engage? Um, and uh, I think it was a time when we affirmed our identity as wanting to really focus on not necessarily not giving people the answers, mm-hmm. right? But teaching them the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the phrase "begin with a question" was. Yeah. Um, well, this makes me want to. This makes me want to branch. I'm trying to figure out which way I want to branch. I'll, I'll go the short way first, and then okay. maybe a little bit longer way. But um, so Bethel 2014, um, you know, maybe not as as dark of time as the as it seemed as it seemed then, but definitely the last couple of years have been difficult and complicated mm-hmm. here. As somebody who's who sort of was through um, was through the 1980s at Bethel like what would you say to someone like me who I mean I've been here a long time but um, but not not nearly long enough to stretch into mm-hmm. into times that were had some of those kind of difficulties what, what mm-hmm. advice would you give to you know someone of, of my vintage here mm. oh you know um, you, it, it reminds me of the of being in the boundary waters when you're looking for a portage and you just you keep going did we miss it did we miss it or you know how much farther in you know, I my colleague uh, Susan Brooks, mm-hmm. uh, my paddle partner says you know well just keep going and things will become clear, right? So, uh, and I I'm optimistic. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't grieve the things uh, and the, it's certainly the people that um, aren't going to be here anymore or the people that aren't here anymore. Um, on the other hand, uh, it it's like pruning in some respects you know you don't get new growth unless you make space for that right right so um i think we it is a reminder that the routine doesn't always get us where we need to go mm-hmm. and that um finding new ways to engage um and and to uh encourage each other is and 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 to challenge each other mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. um what i want is a, a place where we feel like everyone is contributing uh, equitably, not equally, but equitably, mm-hmm. and uh, that we can, you know, hone our gifts and and contribute the, them to the greater whole. Okay, so I'm idealistic. What no, can that's, I say? hey, that's that's <laughs> what you're here to be, though, right? Uh, so the other question I have, and I'm I'm trying to think of how to ask this in a way that. Um, uh, doesn't put any of my own opinions into it because nobody nobody wants to hear those or people already have. Uh-huh. Um, but I, but I'm, I'm curious about um, you talked about 
growing out of some of those troubling times is innovation, right? And I think about what it's like to be in your classroom, whether it was Constance of Community, Women's Lives, um, and so much of that for me had to do with the fact that it was important that we were all in that room together, that right. we were experiencing those things. How does somebody who has that take on education feel about something like online or distance education? Okay. I'm going to ask answer that roundabout because I think the I'm waiting for people to show me how to create community online in in ways that are not disembodied. So I went to the Avatar X, you know, mm-hmm. the the Second Life mm-hmm. um, thing yesterday afternoon, and and I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. I just am not there yet. Um, but that doesn't mean that. We don't um, find ways mm-hmm. to in, uh, overcome, right? Mm-hmm. That technology, you know, when I I have w- had wanted to create these simulations for of clients for my counseling class, uh, and to find ways to it, to um, provide feedback to them without being in small every small group all the time because I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And it just took time for technology to catch up to the vision that I had. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think we're there right now, as long as it works, right? right? right, So we we still have that kind of issue. So I I do think we give something up. uh, And part of that is uh, because I think we're all connected and we are all connected in ways that we are unaware of unless we are in the plate, that time and space uh, needs to at least bring us together mm-hmm. so that when um, we don't ha- can't be together on the same time and same space, uh, we're still, we can still maintain that connection. But some, and I do know that that does happen. I went to a, a reunion uh, that I hadn't seen like three of these women for for 40 years and it was we had that connection Mm -hmm. so 40 years later we can come back together and have that connection again Mm -hmm. Uh, so maybe there's some way to do that in Mm -hmm. the future but I don't see it happening yet I'll I'll just I'll I'll, I'll leave that there because I I I, I don't that's not a conversation I'm particularly excited about Mm -hmm. Um, but but it is something that I've always wanted to ask you um, and then I thought, well, since I'm recording you answering it, I might as well ask mm-hmm. it now. So. Well, remember the way that you described uh, what you envied on that stage? Mm-hmm. You didn't have it watching it. You knew it was there. Right. You were vicariously maybe taking part of that. But the actual experience right. happened on stage right. with those people embodied together. Well, exactly, because what I'm experiencing is... The, re- the realization that I'm not experiencing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm... Because yeah, right. if I was just experiencing it watching them, I wouldn't need to be in a play. It would right. be enough to just go to lots of plays and try to get closer to the stage. Because even if I was in the middle of that group, I think it would be such a lonely place to be. Because I would I would know this what I'm feeling around mm-hmm. me is completely apart from me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, I've... 
the the other class I had with you was uh, Women's Lives, Women's Choices, which is a P course. And um, I was talking with uh, Sarah Shady and Amy Popping and a couple other people about how interesting it would be to sit down and 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 record conversations between Bethel faculty who are grads from Bethel and the person who taught their P course. Um, just because the, I think the P course is is a it, that's a it's the the sort of senior capstone gen ed course and i think that's that's a moment when i feel like some of the strains of the gen ed tie back together um and and that was that was a really meaningful class to me and one of the things that i noticed in that course it was interesting because i because the honors course felt like well this she's doing something you know unique and different because it's the honors class but then i got to that course and realized no this is just how she teaches you know and and the thing that that i uh that i i take away most um and when I think about you as a teacher, um, whenever I write about teaching, I write about first being a student and the fact that because of I teach a lot of team talk courses, that more of my time is spent watching people teach than it is actually being the one up there. So even, but even as like a high schooler, I was acutely aware that at least half of my brain was looking at the craft of the person in front of me, and half of my brain was taking in what they were saying. You know, um, and whenever I write about teaching, there's usually a couple names that pop up. Um, that I experienced. And one of them is the educational experience of watching Dale Johnson paint, um, of watching, of watching David Williams lecture, of watching John Linton, um, lead a small group, uh, discussion about the Bible in his living room. And then it's watching Kathy Nevins. How to describe this. It's, it's like you have a dial. It's like the tension dial in the room. And I, I felt like, and this is where I'm probably, thinking too much of myself but i feel i felt like i was the only other person in the room that knew like you were you were controlling the tension in the room like that's what it that's that's what made those discussions so interesting is i could watch you realize oh we're starting to get a little too relaxed you're gonna you're gonna add something in here which is gonna heighten the tension just enough but you could also tell like when we're reaching the point where it's so tense nobody can talk and then you would it's like you would release the valve a little bit and a little tension would come out so that or would would be released, so then we could get back. And it was, I mean, it was a master class in watching somebody do that. I don't know how to do it, but I but I I can recognize it. I can mm-hmm. recognize. And I found it interesting. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Sarah Shady did a talk in the library about embodiment in the classroom and discussion. And she started to talk about and I and, and I and so I actually I asked her like, so what do you, like what's your connection to Kathy Nevins? Like what you're talking about is what it's like to be in her classroom. So I don't think this is a question. This is me just saying I noticed it was great. It's still great. I, I um, yeah. So I, I don't know why. There's nothing you need to say to that. But but that's that's um, that's one of my big takeaways is is in terms of thinking about like how powerful of an experience that was. And and and, and it would be it was they were always such slight moves that would do that. It would be asking a question or even just looking at somebody a second time and they're realizing, "Oh, I need to say more about what I just said." Or how do you get the person who hasn't said anything yet to say something? Or how do you at least point out that somebody that one person in this table hasn't said something yet and that that's meaningful that they haven't said something and should we think about why they haven't said something? And um I, yeah, I just I, I just find that remarkable. Um, so just I guess take the compliment or something. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, we're we're running short of time now. I've realized Darn. I've taken a lot of your time already. I want to sort of go through the the speed round of questions that I ask everybody. Okay. Um, first off, if you could recommend a book, um, not it's the book that's the best book you've ever read or the most important book you've ever read, but 
um, getting to this idea of knowing people where you'd say, if you read this book, like you would understand something about me. What would, what would that? Can I have two? What's that? Can I have two? Well, I was going to say, so I want a book and then one other piece of media. It can be another book. You can, you can say two books. Sure. There's no rules here. All right. Uh, one is, uh, called seven arrows by storm. Uh, particularly it's a, a novel about, um, the, uh, contact of the Lakota, actually it's the Cheyenne with, uh, the white man and, uh, that culture. And particularly what was transforming for me was his description of the circle and the medicine wheel, because I use that model in my teaching and my, um, trying to get people to, I define maturity as being able to see um, a problem or something from multiple perspectives. And that's not just um, in terms of seeing it up close or seeing it from far away, seeing it from a values perspective, uh, but empirically, rationally, experientially. And the second book is Magnificent Obsession. I haven't read it in years, but it trans, it, it really is about, um, the, mo- it was a classical, uh, view of, um, pay it forward. Hmm. Uh, only in this position, uh, in this particular book, it's a doctor who, uh, gives money to people anonymously. And so the, uh, and nobody knows really that he's doing this Mm -hmm. and it's not until after he dies that people find out all the lives that he touched so it's kind of like you know a combination of in his steps pay it forward Mm -hmm. that kind of thing okay if you could recommend one other piece of media other than a book media or can it be music that's that's media okay good um a broad term uh, brahms um symphony number one Anything you want to say about that or just... I had the pleasure, I had the privilege, which turned out to be a pleasure, of playing that um, under the baton of uh, Barbara. And uh, now, a famous conductor, uh, composer. So it was, I just had a senior moment. Was it Bartok or was it Barber? Um, and uh, I, I love that piece it's just it just there's theme musical themes in that it just makes my heart sore and i'll put these uh the media the media and book recommendations up on the website okay. too, so we have a running list of what people have have recommended okay uh last question then um if you could design your ideal school or ideal curriculum whichever is easier to sort of wrap mm. your head around what what might it start to look like i mean obviously I realize I'm talking to somebody who maybe has a full plan in their head, so you don't you don't need to explain it all. You, know, right. you can save some of your ideas. But. I'll save some of my ideas. I think if I were to, uh, I think there's one thing that uh, has gotten um, left by the wayside in our higher education, and that is the education of empathy. And I need to define empathy uh, in a couple different ways. One is it's about um, uh, perspective taking, being able to see the world through the eyes of somebody else. How are they seeing this world? How are they taking in um, the world? 
and and then the affective uh, the the emotional aspect and um sort of affective intelligence now, not emotional intelligence because that tends to be you know, how do I read people mm-hmm. but our own um sense of giving credibility to our feelings that they're te- trying to tell us something mm-hmm. uh and needing to that that's okay that feelings are not to be uh, ignored. How do you start to teach that? Or start to learn that, I guess, uh, a better way to think of it. Well, I think, first of all, is sort of that in we start with awareness, right? That you don't see the world the same way that I do. And there are lots of reasons why. Why? Okay, so I need to learn from you. What What is your world like? What matters? What hurts? What What are your experiences? You know, I, I talk to people, I say, you don't, my students, they don't uh, understand grief, perhaps. And I say, wait a second, you've always, all of you have lost something mm. that was meaningful to you. Now we have a dial and we can ratchet that up, right? So you lose a pet, what was that like? You lose, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be about your mother or your father or your sister or a grandfather. Right? You You can have a little bit of it now. Now you have a lot of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, uh, I, you know, part of this is just giving people permission to say, okay, what are you feeling? And what are you feeling? Just asking the question, what do those feelings tell you? Mm-hmm. You know, that you're so frustrated that you walk over to, you know, get rained on and you go into McDonald's. And what what is that? Uh, you're feeling something. What is that telling you? Hmm. What is it? You know, there is some intelligence to that emotionality. And that's not a new idea for me. I mean, right. that that's Carl Jung. Right. So. Well, this has been uh, all apologies to everybody else that I've interviewed and probably will interview. But this has really been just the best. This has been fun. Um, yeah. Well, I've, I've been, ex- like I said, I was excited and ner- I told uh, Chris Garrett's this morning, like, I'm really nervous and kind of scared. But I know the second we start, it's going to be just a delight great. it's going to be really fun Good. and this is this has been great i, I wish that i had these conversations with you more and we don't need to have mics to do it but um but yeah i'm, I'm yeah well let's get it on the schedule all right let's do that <laughs> okay. thanks a lot take care when we arrive sons and daughters will make our homes on the water, we'll build our walls. Aluminum will fill our mouths. The cinnamon now.